Welcome to Born to Watch, where three old mates, an ex-video shop owner, an industry insider, and a black belt in 80s kung fu movies, put their mastery to the test on movies that change the world. Life is good in Los Angeles. It's paradise on earth. That's what they tell you anyway. Hey there, fellow watchers. I'm Whitey, and welcome back to another episode of Born to Watch. Tonight, we put the Born to Watch blowtorch on the 1997 Hollywood crime thriller, LA Confidential. But remember, you heard it here first on the QT and very hush, hush. Let's meet the team. G-Man, how are you, mate? Very good. We're off the record tonight on the QT. And very hush, hush. Very hush, hush. And what about up there on the land? We've got Dan, who's smashing a pokey bowl as we speak. Yeah, it wasn't a big week on the land. You said I can't say anything at the start anymore. Yeah, I, I don't think I actually said that. You brought it up. But anyway, moving right along. So 97, it's not that long ago, is it? When did we first see it? What, what are your thoughts on seeing this for the first time, Gal? Saw it in 97. I think it was at the movies from memory. Pretty sure it was at the movies because I remember this coming out and there was a there was a lot of steam behind it. Yeah, big Aussie and it, contingent. Because of the two Aussies, yeah. really, you know, and they three. were three. Well, three Aussies, but well, yeah, okay. We got we got, we got one guy that has, has two scenes. Yeah. But um but yeah, the, the the two Aussies, you know, and they were relatively unknown. I mean, known well known to us. Guy Guy Pierce was known well locally mm. off TV, but um but you know, they they both weren't big at that stage. No, they were just starting out. I guess yeah. Rusty had done Romper Stomper. That was about it. Really. He'd done Romper and the Some of Us. Yeah. As, but again, an Aussie Aussie movies. Up your bum. Um, <laughs> good old Jack Thompson. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and so I think that was the whole big kick. Was like, wow, two Aussies starring in this big, you know, big Hollywood thriller. Mm. So I remember there being a bit of buzz around this one. Absolutely. What about you, Dan? Yeah, there was there was two Aussies making their way. Obviously, the the little nation in the South Pacific that could. Showing their way and, and making their way in holiday uh, in Hollywood, but another two Aussies were making their way in 1997 <laughs> as me and the G-Man left Australia behind to start off our travels. So, look, I, of course, I won't go into much because you, you all know the, uh, the, the the cool bits of our travels. But I will just say this film reminded me when Bud White was shoving someone's head down the shitter of the perils of the American plumbing system. So on the literally the first night, Cow and I were uh, were on our travels. We were in Hawaii and we had one zillion tea beers and uh, I, uh, I I bought up my jack-in-the-box in the bathroom and uh, had a spew, as you would. But uh, the fucking toilets are half full, so I got splashed back when I was I was trying to have a, like just a, just a normal spew. So yeah, anyway, that uh, taught us a lot about the world that night, didn't it, Chu? Yeah, oh, splashback theory came straight out. That was the first night we're away. Excellent. And I think it was a dillion in one beers. To be fair, <laughs> we struggled to get to Jack in the Box. <laughs> I remember that. Well, you got to you got to go at it hard early, don't you? All right. Look, yeah, I was I was on this in '97. I loved it, sort of the movies, sort of a couple times in the movies, I do recall. And then it became a bit of a staple for me. It's a bit of a go-to movie when I've got nothing much to watch. And, but in saying that, I haven't watched it for probably about a year. But, God, I've watched it a lot in the previous 20, that's for sure. So I'm going to set the over and unders at 20 on this one. It's pretty high. That's pretty much to cater for me. G-Man. I'm under 20. I watched this quite a few times early on. I haven't seen this for a long, long time, though. Yeah. 
um, which is really good because it's a it's a great movie to go back and watch again. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of scenes in there you you forget that are, that are in. But uh, yeah, no, I I would be I'd be around the ten mark. I'd say. Okay. And what about you, Dan? I'd be right on the knocker. I reckon twenty twenty times. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I am well in excess of twenty. I'm going to say, I'm going to say that I could be fifty times I've seen this. Wow, movie. fifty. I, yeah, this was a go-to for me late at night. The video shop, I'd whack it on when I was doing returns or doing something, and or you know, adding late fees to people's accounts that I didn't particularly like. Uh, watched it a lot. Watched it a heap on VHS. A heap on VHS. It was one of my go-to's. Uh, but yeah, so I would be well in excess up there around fifty. Anyway, let's listen to the trailer. They were three cops who had nothing in common. Freeze. Big V, what are you doing here? Hey, you know, man, keeping the streets safe, boys. One would do anything to get ahead. You're truly prepared to be despised within an apartment? Yes, sir, I am. One had his own brand of justice. How's it going to look in your report? It'll look like justice. That's what the man got. And one loved the spotlight. What exactly do you do on the show, Jack? I teach Brett Chase how to walk and talk like a cop. The Night Owl Massacre. This is a heinous crime that requires swift resolution. Six victims. One of them, one of our own. Interrogations will be led by Lieutenant Evan Exley. I need some backup. Come on. All right, college boy, I'll help. Now. All of them are faced with solving one case. Don't move. I want confessions, Edmund. Oh, I'll break them, sir. These people are all in the morgue. And someone has to pay for it. There's something wrong with the night owl. I just can't prove it. They thought they had it all figured out. Anything bothering you about the night owl case? The fact that you guys won't let it get filed away. I didn't kill nobody! But what started as a murder... Can you talk only to me on this one? ...became a mystery that could cost them everything. Why was Susan Lefferts at the Night Owl? I don't know. I never heard of the Night Owl till today. How about some payback, big time? We need evidence. I'll get the evidence. It was an information exchange. You have any proof? The proof had his throat slit. What do you want, actually? I just want to solve this thing. Even if it means paying the consequences? Russell Crowe, Guy Pearce, James Cromwell, Kim Basinger, Danny DeVito. L.A. Confidential. Great trailer there. Gal, why don't you tell us a little bit about L.A. Confidential? Here we go. 1950s Los Angeles is the seedy backdrop for this intricate, noirish tale of police corruption and Hollywood sleaze. Three very different cops are all after the truth, each in their own style. Ed Exley, the golden boy of the police force, willing to do almost anything to get ahead, except sell out. Bud White, ready to break the rules to seek justice, but barely able to keep his raging violence under control. And Jack Vincennes, always looking for celebrity and a quick buck until his conscience drives him to join Exley and White down the one-way path to find the truth behind the dark world of L.A. crime. Yeah, that's a good one. It's very good, isn't it? It it does help that one of the great literary minds of of the modern literary world wrote the book. Yes. Yeah. So it's probably taken directly from the book. Morgs, you'd be a big Elroy fan, wouldn't you? Massive. Yeah. Look, he's a huge part of this film. Obviously, it, it, it strays quite a bit from the book because the book's a bit of an opus 
and uh, has about eight plot lines where where this one's about three really with the three main protagonists. So it spans a long time too. The book it's a it's seven years I think. It yeah, spans out. It's, isn't there like three or four books though, or three or four chapters, or so no, there's he, parts of it. He writes them in 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 like a three or four in the series, mm. like a quartet. But that's uh, right. Elroy, if, we, if you haven't got into uh, James Elroy, then there's just if, you, if there's just one book you're going to read. Check out American Tabloid, which I don't think we'll ever see come to uh, come to the film to, to the screen, just because it is quite an intricate plot. But that just sets up, and it just uses Elroy has this method of using. Uh, historical events and then weaving in a bit of fiction and just uh, completely compelling. But, yeah, just one of my favourite authors for sure and uh, LA Confidential, just a, a brilliant book. But, yeah, Whitey, as, as you said, I think having him as the, the source material writer just uh, a, a allows a, a bit of a depth of everything that maybe you don't see in, in what's just written as a, uh, a, a screen play just for the, for, the, uh, for the big screen. But Curtis Hansen wrote the screenplay for this, didn't he? Did he, he did yeah, him and Brian, adapted, and him he adapted it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and Brian Helgeland. And Brian Helgeland, yeah. Because yeah. so, I, I think they got they got an Oscar for that. Yeah. I think, yeah. Well, it was it was nominated for about seven Oscars. Yeah, yeah. And we'll talk about we'll this get a to bit, that. but we'll get to it that. was the Titanic year, so. Yes. It was a rough year. It was a rough year. Uh, okay, critical thinking. The movie rates amazingly well, 8.2 out of 10 on IMDb, so it's right up there on the Dan scale. But here we go. 99% on the tomato meter. 99? Have 90, we had a 99? No, we haven't had a 99. Wow. 99% on the tomato meter. That's and a lot of tomatoes. It's a lot of tomatoes. Yeah. yeah. That's a that's the Dolmio grin. What, is that, what uh, does that mean again? I don't know. That's critical. So that's critics uh, rate that. It's a 99% approval rating uh, that's given by the critics. Uh, 94% audience score. You'd be... Tough. It'll be hard to find a uh, a critical a bad a bad rave on this. We're gonna, well, we're going to get to that, and it was very difficult for me to find a bad review. So the good review from Henry Sheehan of the Orange County Register, adapted from a novel said to be unadaptable and set in a genre that has seemed increasingly played out. It brings clarity and life to its art and to life. That's a pretty good definition of a masterpiece, isn't it? Good. Good. There you go. Good review. So the bad one, I had to dig real deep. Dwight Garner from Salon.com. So he's, he's, a, he's a big wig. He's a big wig. You emerge from the theatre feeling like Hanson finally managed to push LA Confidential past the usual boundaries. Your waiting hasn't been entirely in vain, but by this point, you're almost too burned out to care. See, it's a long movie. It's two hours 16. For me, it doesn't feel long. No, it's, it's it doesn't a feel long. It's a cracking pace, yeah. man. Well, there's a lot of setup in this, isn't it? And there's a, you know, obviously it goes through a, a double twist, sort of. Yeah. And and you know that takes a bit of time for it to come out, but I I don't think it was long at all. Like no. it, there's not sort of parts here where you're sort of thinking, ah, oh, you know, it's dragging now. No, I think it goes at a cracking mm. pace. So in fact, like, I don't think we're. It's funny. We'll get to it in uh, in quickfire, but I don't know how you can improve on this movie. Like it's for a movie that that's long, it's sharp. Yeah. Which is pretty incredible. It's, I guess the script is, you know, the highlight here, isn't it? Really, it's quite incredible script. That's a gal. Ordinary people. Why don't you tell us uh, about the cast? All right, let's start with an Aussie, Russell Crowe. Uh, look, obviously, his big break came in Romper Stomper in '92, which he won an AFI award for. Um, gave him a big name throughout Australia, but he hadn't done much before, other than that. Before that, um, he'd been on. He'd been on a bit of TV. 
he'd done a couple of TV roles, but the sum of us in 94 really helped put him on the American map. And then after that, it was straight into LA, Conf- sorry, into the quick and the dead. Yeah. Sharon Stone wanted him for that. Yeah. And then LA confidential. And then, you know, we, we get to right, your ticket. Yeah. Then, then we get to, um, Gladiator's not Gladiator. long after that. Yeah. He's, he's 2001. Uh, you know, virtuosity, he does a heap of movies. Well, virtuosity's 95. Yeah, yeah. But the insider, a beautiful mind, yeah. Martian commander, like he's got a, He's got a big back catalogue no, now. He's, he's the man. And this is right when he is at his brooding, simmering best. Yeah, well, he's chunky. He's yeah. chunky crow. Like he's he, – because he thins out a bit after this a bit and then yeah. he goes real chunky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Dan, what's your highlight from Rusty? What's your, what's your go-to in the Rusty filmography? Romper Stomper. Absolute, yeah. yeah. I, I was thinking about that and that's uh, Curtis, the uh, the director. That's what he saw him and, and saw what he wanted for Bud White out of that role. But, yeah, if I go back to what I'm really blown away by, it's uh, just that brooding intensity that Rusty brings, and he's he's had some great roles. I think Gladiator was a bit of a piss take. It was it was a it was a fine movie, but wasn't best picture, and was uh, a bit of a piss take there. He's had better roles, and and I think there were way better pictures. But um, yeah, definitely Romper Stomper for me. What about you guys? Yeah, oh, yeah. Romper Stomper for sure. I mean that that was such a movie at the time. It was so powerful. Yeah. Yeah, I've got a couple later ones. I love the nice guys. I love yes, State yes. of Play. State of Play is excellent with Ben Affleck, uh, Robin Wright Penn, uh, political drama, excellent. Adapted from a BBC TV series, really, really good. If you have not seen it, watches get onto State of Play. Really good. Yeah. Who's next, nice. G? All right, let's keep moving. Kevin Spacey Fowler. <laughs> That's right. That's his real name. That's right. Um, obviously, he goes by the stage. Fowler or Prowler? <laughs> well. No, he's uncancelled now. No, we're nah, back, well, on, back on. Guy, the I, I did in in my uh, research here. Guy Pierce described uh, Kevin Spacey as being handsy on the set oh, of God. LA Confidential. Oh, mate, he's oh, God. he's a creep. Should be Kevin Creepy. Fella. Oh my God, a creep. But, handsy. Yeah, but an amazing, amazing actor, no doubt about that. But yeah, not not so great off the screen. Well, this is is this our third go round for? Uh, Second. For Kevin? No, we've done uh, Usual Suspects, seven. Yes, you're right. One, you're right. Third, yeah, go third, go, third go. He's in royalty. But, yeah, look, I mean, we don't need to go much through his back catalogue. You know, he's been, you know, best supporting actor for The Usual Suspects, as you mentioned, as Verbal Kint. Best actor in American Beauty in 99 as Lester Burnham. He's been in a ton of movies. The Life of David Gale, great movie. Yeah. Um, House of Cards, the big show that he's been in recently till he got punted. Yeah. But, yeah, he's Glenn Garrigan Ross. He's done, he's done a lot of stuff over the time. As um, what was the Pakistani guy in uh, Seinfeld called? Who was the guy that had the Pakistani restaurant? Oh, I don't know. Well, he would be saying, "You're a very, very bad man, Jetty. You're a very bad man. <laughs> very bad man." <laughs> Let us know what his name is. For life, and we are forgotten. Um. All right, moving on. Another Aussie guy, Pierce. We've talked about Guy Pierce before too. Everybody here knows him because he was in Neighbours Forever. Mike Pierce. Um, did did a fair bit of home. I did 19 episodes of Home and Away too early, so he was well known locally. And did Priscilla, Adventures of Priscilla, after that in 90 in 2004. But no, um, it's earlier than that, Priscilla. It is. It, no, you're it's right. In the 90s. It's it's no, it's before that. It's before yeah. LA Confidential. Yeah. Because yeah, it's early in the 90s. Because it's, Curtis that, Hansen didn't want to watch it because yeah. he didn't want to he didn't want to see that portrayal. He thought it might yeah. skew what he wanted to do with his movie. Yeah. But uh, yeah, look, Memento. The Count of Monte Cristo, The Hurt Locker, 2008. So Animal Kingdom we've done before, The King's Speech, and more recently in Mayor of Easttown. He's excellent. He's so good. 
So talented. Very talented. Yeah. Great actor. And really yeah. good in this role. Yeah. Really good. Yeah. Excellent in this plays, role. Plays this off to perfection. Yeah. Plays a real asshole. Yes. Yeah. But just the real straight-laced guy, you know, who, who's just so not going to real shades of, of uh, Philip Stuckey. Oh, he's a bit of Philip yeah. Stuckey. There's a bit of Stuckey about him. Yeah. Who else you got, G? Uh, Kim Bassinger. So Kim Bassinger won her award, won her Academy, Academy award. award for this. You know, she was uh, – she – Won this award. She's never been nominated for anything else. This was the one and done. It's uh, which is pretty crazy. I mean, look, look at the movie she's been in. My stepmother's an alien. Obviously, nine and a half weeks is yeah, where Mickey everyone Rourke. would have oh. come to have known her. Oh my God, yeah, so wasted some Kleenex on that. She was a Bond girl in Never Say Never Again. Yeah, with uh, Sean Connery, the the unofficial Bond. Yeah, yeah. Um, Batman, obviously, in Vicky Vale in '89. Oh, we saw that at Coleroy. She's, she's at her best. We cinemas. did see. We did see her at Coleroy Cinemas. Yes. Yeah. Obviously, Eight Mile, um, and the Nice Guys. She's in the Nice Guys as well. She is. She plays the uh, the uh, like the politician. Yes. Yeah. She's uh, she's bad. Yeah. Look, uh, does she deserve to win an Academy Award for this role? She's not in it a lot. She's not. I I rewatching this. I I didn't understand how how was I thought that. Um, that Russell Crowe was amazing. He was. Movie. In, say, now, in, in saying this, so Kim Bassinger wins. Joan Cusack for In-N-Out, which, meh. Mini Driver for Goodwill Hunting. Okay. She's pretty good in that role. Gloria Stewart in Titanic, The Old Bird. Mm-hmm. But can you tell me, Dan, in your expert opinion, Julianne Moore in Boogie Nights is nominated for Best Supporting Actress and doesn't win. That is criminal. Yeah, disgusting. Uh, Kim Basinger, she's great in this flick, but she doesn't lace up Julianne Moore's bodice from Boogie Nights. Yeah, absolute travesty. Yeah, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Funny. And look, she almost turned this movie down because she didn't want to be typecast as a prostitute. She'd done a couple of roles like that earlier, but turned out to be her, her biggest or best role, I guess. Yeah. Now, I just want to say one thing before we – because I can't wait till we get to quotes. But there's possibly the worst back and forth between Russell Crowe and her when he first knocks on her door and he's like being Bud White and she goes, you say fuck a lot. And he goes, you fuck, fuck for money. <laughs> like, what is that? I was like, that is so out of place in the whole movie. Like in a script which is perfection, yeah. this – Ten words pop up where I'm like, "What? Yeah, you fuck for money, yeah. like just for no reason." You look better than Veronica Lake. Yeah, <laughs> they get Veronica Lake. Ah, uh, yes. Oh, look. Also, we'll hit James Cromwell. Um, look, he's been around forever. In, in Revenge of the Nerds, do you remember him? Was he? Is he his dad? Lewis Scholl. He's Lewis's dad. dad. Yeah, yeah. Lewis's dad just drives the car at the start. <laughs> He's got the pens in the pocket and the big glasses. He's such a scold, Nick. He's such <laughs> a scold, Nick. <laughs> but obviously well known for Babe as Farmer Hogg. He was Oscar nominated for that. Well, we adopted him after that. Yes, he became right. an Aussie. He's yeah, a, he, he really was an did. honorary Aussie. Uh, it was in Star Trek First Contact in 96. Been yeah. in Heavy Stuff, Deep Impact, The Green Mile, Some of All Fears, um, and most recently in Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Yeah, He's good. He's a good actor, James Cromwell. He was in everything for a while there. Yeah. After Babe, he seemed to be in every third movie. The People vs. Larry Flint. Yeah. Said the Green Mile, some Volfies. He was in a heap of stuff. I, Robot. Yeah, he was in tons of stuff. What else you got, Gal? Who else we got in there? Uh, well, I think we can – that's through it. 
Danny DeVito. Danny DeVito's worth he's, a mention. He's been in a ton of he's been in a ton of movies for a long, long time. We know yeah. that he's been in Batman. He's been in War of the Roses. Throw Mama from the Train. What about Get Shorty? Get Shorty. Yeah, tons uh, and tons of stuff. Is is Get Shorty on the short list for Born to Watch? Would it be on the short list? You reckon? Get Shorty. I don't see why not. Then, I like thoughts? that. I haven't seen it for a long time. I remember enjoying it. Yeah. Yeah. John Travolta's excellent. Did you ever watch Get Shorty the series? No, I never did. I know you Good. did. Yeah. I know you did. They cut it. They could, yeah. You know, it was about three seasons in and it never came back. It was, it was a shame because it was good. It was that American, uh, Irish actor. I can't think of his name. Yeah, I don't uh, know. I don't know. But, um, oh, anyway, it yeah. wasn't Colin Farrell, was it? No, 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 no. No. Nah. Okay. no I can't think of it. I'll think of it later. Yeah. All right. All right. What about uh, 1997 and budget and box office and all that kind of biz, gear? All right. So, as we said before, look, this movie – Grossed 64.6 million domestic and 61.6 international for 126.2 million worldwide on a $35 million budget. Yeah. So definitely did very well, but came in at number 32 that year. Okay. Now we talked about what won everything that year was Titanic. Titanic, yeah. Titanic was nominated for nine Academy Awards. Won all um, of them. And won pretty much everything. Best picture, best director. Didn't get Best Actor or Actress, which both went to uh, As Good As It as Gets. As Good As It Gets. Yeah, Jack, with Jack Nicholson. Nicholson and Helen Hunt. Yep. And Robin Williams, obviously, for Good Will Hunting, which is amazing because yeah. he was amazing in that. Yep. And, and Kim Basinger, as we said, Best Supporting Actress. But let's look at the top movies. Titanic, $2.2 billion. Yeah, that's had about 13 re-releases to get to that figure. Well, that's true. Yeah. But, yeah, definitely. But still, The Lost World Jurassic Park, $618 million. Men in Black, $587 million. As good as it gets, did 340. That was number six on the list. Air Force One. Air Force One's a cracker. Air Force One's a good movie. 315 million. The Fifth Element. Mm. Face off. <laughs> Conair. There's some, there's some, there's some born to watch royalty Mate, here. Goodwill hunting would be a good movie to do for us too. But 225 million for those blokes in yeah. their in their start out. Yeah. That's amazing. And that is a cracker of a movie. Guess what came in at number 34? What? Starship Troopers. <laughs> Good move. Guess what came in at number 18? Tell me. Flubber. <laughs> Copland. There's some great movies that came out in 97, uh, even though Boogie Nights, we said, Boogie Nights is one of the greatest movies ever made. Yeah. I'd Boogie like Nights to hear someone good. argue against it. Mate, um, coming in at number 59, Beverly Hills Ninja. Good <laughs> flick. What well, would be? Yeah. You'd have that on high rotation? I watched it a lot. Was that um, Chris Farley? Think so. Yeah. No, to be honest, I haven't actually seen it. I don't think I've ever seen that movie. <laughs> oh, very funny. Very funny. <laughs> All right. Yeah, 97 was a good year. Not the greatest, but a good year. Okay, question time. Was it actually the only good cop in LA? It was highly corrupt. It was highly corrupt. Mm. Yeah, he was he was not willing to do anything, was he? No, he wasn't willing to do anything wrong. Anything wrong, yeah. Yeah. Not even take the ten bucks. Yeah. Like when he was no. on Night Watch. He was straight down the line. Yeah. Yeah, he was, wasn't he? Everyone else had a bit of uh a bit of game. But I guess that's that's part of the movie is the juxtaposition between him being so right and trying to do everything by the book and then Bud White being the hammer. You know, and coming in yeah, and, but and he, doing the things that no one else wanted yeah. to do. Yeah. But he still had his morals, I think, to a point, didn't he? He thought he was like he sure he used to bash people, but he well, that was his conflicting. Mm. So even Jack Vincenzo was conflicted. Yeah. Like when you see himself stare at him, For sure. stares at himself in the bar. Yeah. And, you know, he's, he's just sort of going, what am I doing? Yeah. But, Puts yeah. the $50 down on the shot glass yep. and walks out. Yep. 
goes to save him. Yeah, and that's the same thing with Bud. Like he he doesn't want to do those things, but yeah. he just does it as part of the job. What about you, Dan? Any any other good cops in LA that you saw? Mate, that fifty bucks. That's that's a thousand dollar tip these days. Fuck yeah. That. Yeah. Oh no, it was a bold move. Didn't even have the drink either. No. Well, he had to go and yeah. stop the guy from his last supper. Mate, that wouldn't happen. Up the, that wouldn't happen you, up on the land. Nah. If you don't care about your demons, are you just go? You go to the pub. You tell tell Aunt M. Ed. <laughs> he tells everyone. No more problem. Um, yeah. yeah. I look. Obviously, it's a it's a setup for the the show. But I, I I like the fact that Elroy in the original book he he just weaved in so many of the the uh, the organised crime characters from the day, like Mickey Cohen. Yes. He, he was a real guy. The when that the brilliant scene that they actually added where the uh, the heavy is there with the actual is it Veronica Lake who's yes. the, yeah jo- Johnny Stompanato Johnny Stompanato oh Johnny. so good like that how yeah, good is uh, that a scene yeah. they added that's in. a really good yeah. scene yeah but that that actually happened and he he was murdered by uh, the daughter of if it's Veronica Lake I, I don't I'm not sure if I'm getting the right actress no but, it's Lana yeah. Turner no Lana that is Turner, the real Lana Turner Lana, that's Lana the real Lana Turner, Turner. yeah. So uh, yeah, Lana Turner's daughter at fourteen actually killed that bloke. So yeah. there's all these historical references that he just weaves in and out, and I, I think it's brilliant. It's what Tarantino does a lot, but obviously dials it up to about fifteen on the fictional part. So whereas this is almost plausible, and yeah, there were I mean the, the corruption side, you, you would believe that it, it was as uh, in embedded into uh, into LA in nineteen fifty as as what we see. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Is there any chance knowing the Bud White sleeping with Lynn that you have a crack like Exley does? Like he must know that shit's going to hit the fan. And I know she was like told to sleep with him and seduce him, but surely Ed's smarter than that. He's not as smart as he seems to be. I'm going to get to that in my Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Okay. I'm going yeah. to get to that. Yeah. I'd also <laughs> like to explore that because there's a good mate of ours down there in, in Sydney that has a penchant for the cougar and always had. So, I'll uh, yeah, we'll, we'll come back to that a little later in the pod, but I also okay. also uh, I think that Ed Exley uh, just has a particular interest in a, in a subset of the ladies. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Okay, so we spoke about did Kim Bassinger really deserve the Academy Award. It's, it's a resounding no. We're going with Julianne Moore. Uh, so that's the third question. Look, we're just racing through this episode tonight. That gets us into the categories already in record time. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Gow, what do you got for good? My good is Russell Crowe because I just think he's so good. Like rewatching this and just just how he simmers and smolders and the way he, you know, the way he, he can't help himself. And I think he just plays it. When they're in the scene in the police station, when they start talking about the girl tied to the bed and he, and he cracks the chair, yeah. you know, like it's just, it's just that character's so good. So I really, really thought he, he played this role. So, I mean, all three of those major actors did. I thought they were all brilliant, but I thought his performance, this is when he was at his peak and that, you know, that romper stomper role, this kind of role, you know, um, Maximus where he's, you know, that brooding, angry sort of character. I think that's right in his wheelhouse. But not only that, he also pulls off the short sleeve tie combo, <laughs> and it's a cracker. Looks good in it too, doesn't he? Is he, he Bud White or Sipowitz? Well, he's the original yeah. Sipowitz. He's the original he? Sipowitz. He's Homer Simpson. It is awesome. <laughs> I love it when he takes his shirt off, and I'm like, that's great. Yeah. He look. He's so conflicted the whole time, Bud White. But he's 
his baseline is obviously violence against women, right? So then that scene where he actually hits Lynn is so amazing because you can tell how far he's been pushed for him to to get to that length, right? And then again, that's his self-loathing yeah. because he snaps and goes and he just he just hating himself for doing yeah, that, right? Yeah. Like been pushed to the point. Yeah, yeah, it's full on. What about you, Dan? What do you got for good? I, we talked about James Elroy already, but I he actually laughed when he wrote this book because it was it was actually picked up by one of the studios before it was even released as a novel. And he laughed to his agent. He was like, man, I'll take their cash, yeah. but there's no way they're going to be able to turn this uh, this book and all 700 pages, whatever it is, and multiple, multiple, multiple plot lines into a movie. But Curtis Hansen and uh, and his team were able to do it and do it brilliantly. So, and James Elroy gave them a, a well played as well. He he actually liked the adaptation. Had some interesting views on the final scene because that differs quite differently to the book. So, in the book, the um uh, uh what's his name uh, Crom- Dudley. Crom- Dudley, yeah, Dudley. Dudley. You know, you know from the get go in the book that Dudley is the bad guy. So that's oh, right, not, right. It's not revealed to us in the film, obviously, as uh, it's held back by Curtis Hanson as a di- directorial and narrative choice. But in the book, you know straight away. So what's going on? So that, but Elroy liked the way that they shifted the narrative and, and made it about those three protagonists. And we talked about it last week as well. So two protagonists from last week. This week we've got three protagonists that we buy into yeah. with. Yeah. Vincent, Bud White, Ned Exley. So, and they all have a, a grudging respect for each other, I think, by the end or the, by the end of their, their character's input in the movie. So, yeah, James Elroy, if you haven't read his books, go out and read them, F Wits. It's very, very much worth your while. I, I believe, too, in the books that, that it wasn't the Veronica Lake or, or the, sorry, the Lynn Bracken character that they fought over. It was actually the, the Spanish girl. That's right. The Mexican yeah, girl that, that is, got raped. Oh, okay. So, that's she, in the book, yeah. she's the one that they're fighting over. Well, they, they have the love triangle. With. Okay. Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. Good choice for it to be Lim Bracken. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, look, my good is the three leading men, all three of them. Yep. I think they are just a tour de force. And if you throw in James Cromwell as the seething Dudley Smith, but there is not anyone that it isn't throwing 100 miles an hour in this movie. They are all at the top of their game. But that relationship, that, as you said there, the, the, the grudging respect by the end, but you can see it build from like – a essential hatred at the start and just, you know, dismissal to a building as we go through and they realise, I just love it how they, that he's the, that Russell Crowe is the, t- the tough guy, but he's actually a good cop, yeah. you know, and no one's letting him be a good cop because he's a tough guy. And when he starts to solve the case, you don't expect him to be the one to solve the case, right? Well, they say it, even the, yeah. the mortician yeah. says it. Uh, the guy, mortician, that's not the right word. The, oh, the guy in the, uh, morgue. in the morgue. Yeah, yeah, yeah mortician with me, I guess, yeah. Um, but he says it, he goes, oh, I didn't think he was that smart, you know. Yeah. He's not, he's not as dumb as I thought not he was. Not as dumb as I thought he was, yeah. But the three of them are incredible. And then you obviously can't discount the script because the script is lightning. Yep. And it just doesn't waste a beat. So you've got these three of, you know, two unknowns and, and, and essentially what would become Hollywood royalty. And the three of them would essentially ascend to the top of the mountain. Yep. And they are just crushing it from minute one. No, no doubt. And you buy in, and and I don't think it's. I don't think you. I don't think anyone has really ever. Well, I don't think anyone's really team Exley. But by the end, by the as the movie moves on, I don't think you're ever like. You you're in all of them. Yeah, you buy all the stories. Like you're not like I don't give a shit about Vincennes or I don't give a shit about Exley. Like you are buying every story, which is something pretty special. You don't get that very often. Mm. Well, they do that with Exley really well because he's obviously a good cop, but, you know, 
he's not not one of the boys and and they're all going to dislike him and he's got those traits but then you know mm. then he's just dogged in in figuring it out and not yeah. caring that you know he, he's not just taking the glory of taking down the night owl killers yeah which he could have sat on he's gone no i want to solve this yeah. properly yeah it's very good very clever very clever okay what about dan for the bad you got anything for the bad well, I've got a bad slash ugly because it's uh, it's bad and it's literally ugly. But what's going on with the wart between Rusty Crow's eyebrows that <laughs> he's never had cut out? It oh my god! I, it just draws the eye like Molly, 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 Molly. Like it freaks me out. Now I've got a bit of a beauty mark on my melon, but it's more of the uh, the, the the supermodel place like on my cheek, but. Rusty's just above the, the tip of his schnooter between his eyebrows. Yeah, mate, what's going on? I, I, look, I'm all about aging gracefully and 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 don't no need to go under the knife. And uh, you, we're all beautiful children in our own right. Some of us more so than others. <laughs> but Rusty, that's and he's still got it, and it still draws my eyes. So get rid of it, mate. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. It's not like your Cindy Crawford beauty spot, right? No, well, exactly. Mine's on the Cindy Cindy side, where Definitely. so it does it doesn't draw the eye as much as my schnaggle tooth. So yes, it's under the hooter, so it's uh, well. Yeah, it, 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 nothing it's can take shape. the focus away. Nothing can. It's the <laughs> it, dark side of the moon. It's very it lives on the dark side of the moon. It grows only in <laughs> constant shade. The mole of tranquility. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what about you? What, uh, Excellent. What about you, G? What do you got for bad? My bad was we just talked about Exley being, you know, he wouldn't do any of those bad things. He even says to his captain, you know, I'm not going to do that. No, I wouldn't do that. Wouldn't take money. Won't take the $10. Won't do that. And yet he walks in the door and meets Lynn Bracken for two minutes and then can't help himself and rips off his clothes and he's into her. So, But it's it's borderline. Like it's it's sexual assault. Yes. Essentially. Like, well, but this is the thing, but I, I just don't get that's in his character because he, he wouldn't do a thing wrong and all of a sudden he can't contain himself, yeah. you know, for two minutes of meeting this. Yeah. Like, like it's not like there was any build up where he's like, you know, he he met her like Bud did, and they'd been in a smolder. He's met her two minutes ago. Smolder. Smolder. <laughs> that word doesn't get used enough, Gal. Well done. <laughs> you like that? I love smolder. smolder. Fox smolder. Yeah, I just thought he was holier than thou. You know, he was so self righteous yeah. yeah. that I don't think he just goes, "That that's what I'm doing." Well, that was I, his. That must have been his kryptonite. Yeah. Well, I know that he wanted to get back at Bud, like he hated Bud, but still, mm. yeah. But you're right. He must have known what was going on. Yeah, I'm like, I, I, like you know, Bud White's a psychopath. I'm yeah. like, if if he's tapping that ass. But you know he's I'm gonna find clear. out. Yeah, he knows he's gonna find out. Yeah, for sure. Um the only other well, one Well, he thinks that Bud White's bad as yes. well. No, so that's he's right. trying to take him down. Yeah, he yeah. says that to him. He says yeah. that to him. You'll go down as well. Yeah. You know, like, but my other bad one was like, she's working for the Fleurdely, you know, yeah. this super Whatever you, know, you desire. Whatever you desire. And it's very high upmarket and very discreet and like people that won't even take the phone call if they don't know you. Yeah. And she lives on a main road and leaves her curtains and windows open at all times and is having sex with, you know. Councilmen, politicians, and councilmen, and and cops, and just has the windows and doors open. Like yeah. it just, it just sort of me just didn't. I don't know. I didn't get. It. I get it for the scene when it's Exley, yeah, because obviously she's setting him up. But there are other times when when he drives past and he sees Bud in the house, the all the curtains are open. Yeah, it's just to me, it's very odd. Yeah, very odd. I, I, agree, I agree. It's quite the the like it's it's not what someone in that position is going. Yeah, she's to do. drawing enough attention to herself the way she looks without opening the curtains, and I'm fairly sure the curtains don't match the drapes. <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah. Fairly certain. Okay, I've got uh, I've got a bad. I've got a couple bad, and I just thought of one while you're just talking there, Gal. But my main one is actually I'm bad because I want more. At the end of this movie, I'm disappointed this movie ends. 
I'm like, I want more. I want to see more. That I, You could have given me another 30 minutes and I'm transfixed by this movie. I love it, right? But just thinking about when Bud White turns up to Lynn's the first time and he's in there with the councilman and he's like, you know, hello, councilman, and she walks out and he's in his undies and stuff. They've obviously been, pa- they've obviously been pounding. Want me to get rid of him? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Please. And then Rusty's straight in there. Yeah. Like, there's no vinegar and yep. water douche. Yeah. Like, who knows what's been going on there? Like, he's straight in. Yeah. Like, I don't know whether to applaud the man or to turn in abject disgust. She must have the power. They Mate, can't, she they must. Can't contain themselves. She's got the red cape. She's got the red cape with an S on it hanging out of a flange. themselves in there. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But interesting enough, you say that, that you could have more. This is one of the only two movies that Russell Crowe said he would love to have done a uh, a sequel. A sequel. Yeah. And it was this and the other guys. The, the nice guys. The, the, sorry, the nice guys. Yeah. yeah. Um, nice guys is such a good fucking yeah. movie, man. But, it, mate, that, I mean, it would have been very hard to do a sequel to this, I think, because it's how do you follow up something that's so Especially like from that? Bixby, yeah. really wherever hard. they went. Yeah. Bixby. Right. Is it Bixby or Bixby or wherever? Bixby. Yeah. Okay. What about Ugly? Good anything for Ugly? Uh, no. Dan? Anything? Nah. Yeah, I've got nothing. i got one thing. I'm gonna get, it's a question. If this is any other year, not ninety seven where Titanic wins everything. Does this win, is this good enough to win a best picture? Yes. I think so. Yeah. Hundred percent. I hundred percent agree. I, was it in the nominations? Yeah, it was nominated for nominated best picture. For, yeah. Yeah. It was actually it was nominated for nine, I think. Yeah. And it won two. Yeah. Yeah, so I agree. I think Titanic blew everything out of the water. Interestingly enough, Titanic this one too, it won obviously best supporting actress and best adapted screenplays we talked about. Titanic won Every it was nominated for nine, so Titanic won the other seven that it was nominated for. Yeah. Titanic took every other award off them. It won all the technical awards. Titanic. Yeah. What, that's, have that's seen, what have you crazy. seen more, this or Titanic? <laughs> I've seen uh, this way more than Titanic. Totally, totally. I reckon yeah. I've seen Titanic twice, if that. So yeah, I don't think I've ever seen Titanic in full in one sitting. Like I've seen parts of it. Well, I, as we know, I took Bell two or three weeks ago to see Titanic in three D uh, on. Uh, Valentine's Day on that week for as, as a bit of a daddy-daughter date. But I like Titanic. I think it's a great movie. I, I am blown away I enjoyed by it, James Cameron. Yeah, I, James Cameron yeah. was able to do. But as an Academy Award-winning movie, sure, this is a much better movie than Titanic. Mate, Titanic's a big box office movie. That's what it is. Yeah. It's what they make them for. Well, it's, it's, now, we hit this all the time. James Cameron changed the world with Titanic and then yep. changed the world again with Avatar. So yep. it's what he does. All right. Let's move into... Morgz's quick fire. Yes. Take it away, Dan. Hello, F Wits. Thank you. Let's uh, rip into quick fire this week. So, first up, as always, that's on a knife from Michael J. Dundee, Crocodile Dundee, for a scene that's passed over into popular culture. Not really anything stood out for me. It wasn't, uh, I, I think it's probably reflected in the box office positioning. It's not a, a mainstream flick as such. It's definitely only the discerning viewer, like the three of us and all our F-wit mates that have really, uh, really enjoyed this. Have you boys seen anything in there that you've seen pass over into, to, we don't drop calls on each other from LA Confidential, no. that's for sure. Now, I would think the only one that, that probably gained a bit of traction for a time would have been off the record on the QT and very hush-hush. I do remember yeah. that being bandied around, but, 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 not, but not, not in general folklore now. Like, you wouldn't, you wouldn't hear it. But, uh, yeah, so nothing else rather, other than that. Nah, nothing. Agreed. Philip Stuckey in Pretty Woman, Jason Alexander's amazing turn as an absolute fuckwit in Pretty Woman. 
who was who took the man, who took the medal in this one? You reckon? Oh, I say Exley because Exley probably is the biggest dick in the movie. He's really the only one. I don't think there's anyone else that you would say is a quintessential dick. I, look, uh, the, the Dudley Smith's a bit of a Smith is a bit of a He tried to clean house on everybody at yeah, the end. Yeah, everybody yeah. takes out. Rolo Tomasi. Yeah. Good. And uh, also the, uh, the the district attorney I thought was an absolute. Oh, oh yeah. Ellis Lowe. Yeah. Ellis Lowe. Actually, no, I, I changed my vote. I'm going with Ellis Lowe. Yeah. He's a grub. Nice one. He's an absolute grub. Cast yeah, of Caddyshack, yeah. next one for uh, an actor or an entire cast that aren't quite sure what movie they're in. Uh, I think anyone's tonally in, in check on this movie. It doesn't really feel like anyone uh, anyone doesn't know what's going on. No, nah, no, nah, it's pretty well done, pretty well cast. G-Man. Behaving. No, I agree with that, yeah. There's, there's nothing. There's no one out of place here, really. No, Excellent. One of my favourite categories, Ripley running for our beloved Sigourney Weaver, who we adore, but know that she can't run for shit and has very poor gross motor skills. Uh, anyone in this film that displayed a, a certain aversion to coordination? Yeah, Kevin Spacey couldn't punch his way out of a paper bag. Oh, that's excellent. Excellent. When he shows so, the champ to yeah, hold his uh, – oh, yeah, terrible. That, that, that as well, but also in the in the massacre in the jail when he gets oh, the blood yeah. on his tie yeah. and the punch is so bad yeah. that there's that, the guy should have just laughed at him. Excellent. But, yeah, yeah when it's like, keep it up, keep it that's up. That's it, both, yeah. both. Well played. Yeah, yeah like yeah. that. Yeah. Anyone else? Oh, no, I just think – what Whitey hit on there in that opening fight scene when they're taking on the, the Mexicans. Like, there's, there's a lot of bad stuff in there when Bud White shoves him against the wall, and that's all he does. And yeah. the guy's half out of it. You know, yeah. there wasn't tough. great. Bud stuff. He's very tough. Mm. Excellent. Robot sentries again from our favored Aliens movie, James Cameron's bit, where he, in a director's cut, he chucked in some more scenes that just expanded our knowledge of what's going to happen to these characters and what's going on in the wider world. Anything in this film that we didn't see, Whitey's already said he just wants more. And look, I, I go back to the books, but the James Elroy, all the characters feature in all of the novels. So Buzz Meeks is actually quite a central character in an earlier uh, early book. I think it might be The Black Dahlia. I can't remember off the top of my head, but all of the characters pop up in uh, in, in different novels uh, if they're set in the same quartet. So, yeah, I, I, I'm with you, Whitey. I would have liked to have seen more. I think Rusty yeah. Crowe's onto it, wanting to see more of Bud White for sure. Yeah, agree. I, I think. Look, I think this movie is almost perfect as it is. But whether it's wanting to see the other books come to life, the Black Dahlia is not a great movie. The Black Dahlia is not a great movie, uh, which I is a shame the, because it's an incredible story. The source material is still excellent. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's an incredible story. Mm. Um, but the movie is not good. Josh Hartnett and Scarlett Johansson, and it's just not hey, a good tr- movie. Josh Hartnett had a bit of a moment there, didn't he? Had a moment. Tried yeah. yeah, Black Hawk Down. He was definitely. Yep, yep. They really positioned him. Uh, he was also in uh, Sophia Coppola's bit that I really like with uh, Kiki Dunst and uh, The Virgin Suicides. Great flick, uh, F. Witch. Look, if you get it, if there's one director you really want to see more of, it's definitely Sophia Coppola. So I yeah. know that my colleagues probably d- disagree, but. Everyone uh, was saying that after Godfather 3, we just can't get enough of Sophia Coppola. <laughs> Last and not least, from Quickfire, why does Brad Pitt for the actor or actors in the film that you may want to have an explosive Nuna with, a la Ed Exley and Lynn Bracken. Uh, Whitey? 
Well, it's hard to go past Lynn Bracken. Uh, I had a massive crush on Kim Basinger for a long time. So a long time. From, from this movie or from other uh, movies? Or no, from, from nine other and a half weeks. From what? nine and a half weeks. No, well, from, well, from Batman, she's yeah. amazing as Vicky Vale. She's she's probably right in her best in 89 with Batman. Yeah. No, you're true. Uh, yeah. she's, she, but she's great. and she's She looks really young in nine and a half weeks, but in Batman, she's gorgeous. So you uh, you prefer a bit older? I'm gleaning from that. Oh uh, well, look, I'm not not as old as some of our friends might have a penchant for, but um, yeah, look. What I about eight, what about Eight Mile? Uh oh God, she's rough in that. Mm. But yeah, I'd probably I'd give her a crack. Why not? It's Kim good Bassinger. to know. Right. You know, like Kim, if you're ever you know if you're ever lonely, um, yeah, you know, reach out. You know. You're probably on my. Uh, what's the list you get when you get the celebrity list? Oh, the hall pass. Yeah, she, you're a hall pass of mine, Kim. So look, if you if you're keen, look, just you know, Gold Coast, Australia. There, there's an offer for you. An offer you can't refuse. <laughs> if ever you're on the back lot of Warner Brothers Movie World up here on the Goldie, I'm happy to pop into Studio Seven. Excellent. I'm sure she'll hear this and uh, jump right at that chance. That's it, people. Sure. Gal, I'm pre- presuming you are also a Kim Basinger fan. Uh, as am I. Let's wrap it up. Yep. Yeah, well done. Okay, good stuff. Uh, okay, what about listen to this? A bit of rumours. Morg stole one of my rumours uh, about the Joey Stomponado. So well done, Dan. Thank uh, you. Uh, James Allroy does amazing things by weaving the fiction and non-fiction into his uh, books and movies. But uh, anything else you got, Gal? Yeah. Johnny Stompanato and Lana Turner, who were a real item, and obviously Mickey Cohen's real, and, and Johnny Stompanato was a Marine who then started being a standover man for him. Yeah. They didn't actually meet till 1957, and this is set in 1953. <laughs> right. So yeah. come on, Curtis, be better. You got the accent. <laughs> um, look, yeah, look, Russell Crowe initially turned this film down uh, because he didn't think he was imposing enough to be yeah, because the bicycle is supposed, supposed to be a really big yeah. fella. So he actually hired a he actually stayed in a place that was quite small, small rooms and doors to make himself feel bigger. Yeah, about the role because he wasn't big; he's not even six foot. So yeah. to come in with that presence, yeah, you know that he uh, he actually. But can Curtis Hanson really wanted. Can I just stop you there? Like actors mm. are fucking weirdos, aren't they? Like one hundred percent. To get into his character, he decided he'd get into a low ceilinged house and use little itty bitty knives and forks. And small teacups so that he felt bigger. Like, come yeah. on, Rusty. It's called fucking pretending, mate. Just pretend you're a big unit. Yeah. He didn't have any problem in Romper Stomper. No. But, yeah, so funny. But, um, Jeez, but Curtis Hansen, Curtis Hansen saw him in Romper Stomper and wanted him, but he said he found him repulsive and scary, but captivating. Well, I've been called That's- that as well. <laughs> <laughs> Probably for different reasons, different reasons to Rusty. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, I got I got one. So James Elroy did a uh, a and a in Melbourne in like in like the early 90s or probably in ni- I think it was 94 or 95 and they someone asked what what one of your books, you know, would you like to see come to 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 the cinema? And he said, well as a matter of fact, they've they've just started writing the script for uh LA Confidential and the crowd was like, "Oh, and he goes, and in fact, they've actually cast two Australians in the lead roles. And the crowd was like, fuck off. <laughs> who, they're not going to cast any Australians. And he goes, yeah, no, we, we've cast uh, Guy Pearce and uh, Russell Crowe 
have been cast as the as Exley and Bud White. In that crowd was Guy Pearce. Oh, really? He went He went because he had been given the gig and he went to hear this Q&A with James Elroy so he could get some uh, sort of background. Idea, yeah. And what was going on. And they actually didn't announce to, to the world that Crow and uh, Pearce had got the role for another 12 months. Wow. But they'd already been cast. And these people that went to this Q&A, Q&A got a little bit of information on the wow. QT. Hush, hush. Yeah. How yeah, good was it cool. before on the line when shit like oh, that Oh, the happen? best. Like, yeah. The best. You could just get up to so much mischief and no one fucking knew. Yeah, no, it was pretty cool. Oh. They were good old days, weren't they? They were the good what? old days. You know what? You know what I mean? The G-Man, he, he took full advantage of that. Well, this is 97 Gow. Oh, it's absolute peak. Peak this is, G. This is 97 Gow. Yeah, now, it did not get any now, hotter. Watchers, if you go into the dictionary and look up 97 gal, you're going to be blown away. If you like longbacks, <laughs> right in your wheelhouse. And plenty did. <laughs> what a pants man he was. Anyway, RIP 97 gal. I've got one, and this one I thought was piss funny. Um, like but Kevin Spacey, quite a storied actor, amazing uh, Hollywood actor, if you like. Apparently he had trouble playing dead. So when he's in the scene yeah. with James Cromwell, which is an excellent scene, by the way, the first time you Great see that, scene. it is just brilliant. But old mate Kevin Spacey was shot and then kept his eyes kept following James Cromwell throughout the scene. <laughs> so it was, what a dickhead. So anyway. How hard? Uh, how hard is it to just not look? Curtis Hanson had to get a production assistant to draw a spot on the wall and told bloody Kevin Spacey, just look at the spot, mate. And don't follow James Cromwell throughout. So, yeah, I thought that was interesting. It's just pretending. It's just pretending. Russell yeah. Crow, calm yeah, down. It, it is funny. They take themselves pretty seriously, these actors. I look, I think that there's, and I talk about this a bit in film school for F-Wits this week. Actors are brilliant. There is that. Look, they can convey emotion and uh, through very limited movement on screen sometimes, which, again, I look at in and it feels good for efforts. But, yeah, I think that they intellectualise a process that is literally we all did when we were five-year-olds in the playground. My two daughters are the best actresses going around. All they do is <laughs> go out and, and make up stuff and 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 uh, create their own scenes. They do it. You do it until you, you realise that you look like a bit of a knob doing it. And so, yeah, I don't know. I think they carry on a little bit, but they're all excellent in this. So, hey, if that process works for them, then uh, who am I to say it shit else? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well done. Uh, couldn't find a one degree of Kurt Russell in this movie. No. So that's a shame and definitely no one degree of Quigley, but I'm sure that Damo – yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll find something there. On. Yeah. Uh, on that, on Damo, so we're getting mm. Damo on in a couple of weeks, but uh, on the weekend, Damo, so met one of our OG fans. So Damo came to watch the boys play footy on Sunday, and at the ground helping me out was Robbo. Oh, right. One of our OG, one of our OG born to watch supporters, who's been an avid fan for, since day one and still is today, and. I introduced them, and Robbo shook his hand and said, G'day, Damo, like he knew him, <laughs> right? And I said to Damo, oh, Damo, this is Robbo. He's like one of the OG Born to Watch fans. And Damo was like, oh, I okay, go, you're a superstar, mate. 
superstar. But it was so funny with Robbo going, yeah, mate, I sort of know sort of who you are. Shout out to Robbo. You're a legend. Keep Good on you, Robbo. I saw Robbo tonight. Yeah, shore up that New Zealand uh, fan base of ours, please, mate, uh, and do it quickly. Uh, okay, let's move on to the quotables. And Gao, you got anything for this? Not a lot of big quotables. I know you got a couple there, Whitey. I've got just. A, I think that um, Dudley Smith had a few good, uh, very dry one-liners, and one I liked was when he's talking to Jack Vincennes in his in his kitchen. Jack says, "I messed something up. I'm trying to make amends," and he says, "Don't start trying something right. Don't start trying to do the right thing, boyo. You haven't had the practice." Yeah. He has. He has a couple of good ones in that yeah. scene. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Uh, Mine is the end of the movie. I, I use my one, you fuck for money, which I think is just abysmal, but very, very, uh, very, very poor script writing there. But got this one when they're in the, the Victory Motel and it's Exley and uh, Bud White. And he says, uh, Ed Exley says, all I ever wanted was to measure up to my father. Bud White says, now's your chance. And Exley sort of looking at him, he goes, he died in the line of duty, didn't yeah. he? That was funny. <laughs> that was really funny. Uh, it's like a bit of levity when uh, you, you're, yeah. it's you against the police force. Now, on that, do you think that the set that they use for the Victory Motel and the oil field is the same set for Beverly Hills Cop 2? It looks very similar, doesn't it? I, I, for, since 97, I've looked at it and I tried looking for it today, but I couldn't find anything to say that's the same place. No. This, it looks very similar. Mate, doesn't it looked it? almost identical. Well, yeah, with machines the, in the background, yeah. So the cinematographer of this film shot this and he's also involved in the new Aquel Folly film. So Oh, Aquel I, 4. Yeah. I don't know if that has anything Akma. to do with it, but it is interesting. So there we yeah. go. Uh, interesting. I, I had a quote. Last one was right at the end of the film, I thought was very amusing. Lynn Bracken. And she's got a busted ass Bud White in the back of the car and she's talking to Ed Exley and she says, some men get the world, others get ex-hookers and a trip to Arizona. Yeah, Which yeah, I thought, yeah, you know, for, and for some men, that's exactly all they wanted in life. So yeah. well done, Bud White. He, he, he doesn't need I, uh, hygiene he doesn't need before much. he jumps doesn't in there. Need no, much. he's yeah, nah, just a Doesn't need the douche. Yeah. Doesn't need a bit of a wash up. Uh, I've, got a, I've, got a bit of a, I've got a bit of a bone to pick with Ed Exley though, like, Bud White's waving to him out the back of the window and Ed's not even giving him a wave when he's driving off. Yeah. Just sort of looking at him through his, you know, lose the glasses, Ed. Might have had the glasses off. Yeah. No, he had the glasses on. Oh, did he? You yeah. could see he was waving. Lose the glasses, Ed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very good. Okay, well, well done. We've all, we all had a quote there. Uh, now we're moving. Well, it's just the Dan show tonight. <laughs> Film school. For F-Wits. Yes, fellow F-Wits, uh, our favourite segment for sure. I want to talk about this uh, this week, the cinematographer, Dante Spinotti. So he's an Italian dude, and he is a very, very, very prominent uh, cinematographer in Hollywood. So just have a look at some of the uh, the films that he's done. So he was a big Michael Mann guy. He did the original Manhunter with Michael Great Mann. Movie. He, uh, yeah, fantastic. Did Heat. Um, Great movie. incredibly, yeah. He also did Last of the Mohicans, so he got look at, of course, LA Confidential. He's done some incredible insider again with Michael Mann. So, but uh, I, I touched on it earlier, he is slated and is actually shooting at the moment Beverly Hills Cop Axel Foley, which is the fourth installment. So, what do we think that's going to be like? I, I don't know. Oh, the, the God. One was incredible, one of my favorite films ever. Two was also excellent, three was abysmal. 
Can they yeah. bring it back? After they fucked up coming to America so badly, I'm scared. Yeah, look, I've got massive reservations about this movie. The whole movie rests on Eddie's persona. Like the first movie's rested on him and, and his ability to, to to act and and take people there and, and make the jokes. So I don't know if he can still do that. Yeah, but there was still, still a, there was still a bit of a story. No, there's a good story, but yeah, but, but it all but yeah, it all bases on him, right? Yeah. Like he's the one that makes that whole movie go for sure. So he's, can he's, he can he still do that? Can he can he bring people in with all of that? He's going to get a lot of people going just from nostalgia. Yeah, oh, 100%. And with the three of us being in front of the line. Yeah. <laughs> do you th- how old do you think his lieutenant is now? Like, he'd have to be 106. So I don't think we're going to hear, is that fucking Foley in here? <laughs> I think he died. He's gone. He yeah. died, mate. Uh, he's, uh, he's gone. Yeah. He, he don't have so. any ass left at all. <laughs> anyway, back to Dante Spinotti. So, yeah, but look, amazing. He's a BAFTA Award recipient and he's been an Academy Award nominee for this and also for The Insider with uh, with Michael Mann. So, yeah, look, very storied cinematographer. But he worked a little differently with Curtis Hansen on this particular film. So normally the cinematographer, he's in charge of, or the director of photography is also known, he's in charge of all the visual imagery for a film. So, But with this, he worked really closely with Hansen to... To, to really understand, I guess, the narrative and, and the plot and the, the motivations of the character. So whilst he's he, he just got a lot more in-depth, I guess, than sometimes you would need to for the role of the cinematographer as the uh, the, the visual, uh, the, the, the guardian of the visual aspect of the film. So there's two points I want to look like. And at side note, Dante's actually uh, on the Board of Governors for the Academy of Motion, Pitch and Arts and Sciences. So he's one of the fuckwits wow. that denied me again for Clyde. <laughs> you need to suck up so, to him, Dan. Yeah, I'm trying, Dante, but you've been a bit of a cock to me of late. So, But anyway, we'll come back to that. I see him at the do's. We get on the piss. He's an Italian. <laughs> Italian bloke. So anyway, we we we've got a lot to on, chat on the wines, so, Yeah, we get on on the wines with Vino Rosso. Do you ever question the whole Dante thing? It's a sick name. No, and I say that to him often. <laughs> I'm like, mate, you got a sick name. Like, why are you such a knob in not allowing me to be part of your little club? So anyway, we, I, I digress. So there's two things I really wanted to pick out of how uh, Dante works with Curtis Hansen. So the first one is how he shoots Ed Exley in close-up. So Guy Pearce was was quite an unknown in this before this film. So Curtis Hansen, the director, the producers, they they took a big leap of faith that. Ed Exley as the pivotal character, as as the three main protagonists, would be uh, would be up to what what is uh, the you know the mainstay of this particular role. So, and Dante shoots Ed Exley in close up a hell of a lot, where he doesn't do a lot. Like there's no dialogue; it's literally just Guy Pierce's face, and we know everything that's going on in Ed Exley's mind, even though he's doing very little. He's very quiet in the frame, and it's literally just a close up on Guy Pearce. So I think that's incredible the way that – and it also it, it, it adds to Ed Exley. He transitions throughout his character arc. He's a snivelling little political animal and and in the end he's someone that both Jack Vincennes and, and Bud White trust. So I think that the the way that the cinematographer was able to use that close-up and, and lack of dialogue, I guess, for us to know exactly what Ed Exley is thinking is, is incredible and a lot of trust in the director and the cinematographer working together with the actor in this case – Guy Pierce. The second point is something I loved in this film, and I, I'd forgotten 
in, in the rewatch. But you know the interrogation scenes where they've got the three night owl guys that they pull in. So they're in, in it's a two-way glass that they're using in in the film. And we see Ed Exley when he's actually interrogating the guys. It's just a mirror. So all we see is Ed Exley's reflection and there's actually him smirking a lot. And he he Ed Exley thinks he's he's the king of this. And he's doing quite well. And he just he thinks he's the smartest man in the room. And he, he's really using his talent for interrogation to get what he wants out of these guys. So whereas the, the, the three guys are actually shitting themselves. And so when we see them on the reverse shot, what's really clever is the cinematographer has picked up just enough tra- uh, transparency so that we can see what's going on through the mirror, but just enough reflection so that we can see all of the cops and everyone in the foreground that are all standing around. And so you, it's it's the contrast that I really love between Ed Exley being super confident in everything he wants to do in that particular moment and then looking at these three kids that we're shooting at and then the jumble of cops that you see on that little reflection and just the, what the harrowing experience it must be for them that they're they're getting basically blamed for murder that they that they haven't committed but still they're shitting themselves i just think that there's uh it, it's it's such so different the way you contrast that and just a such a, a a clever way to set up the frame in that which which could have otherwise just been a simple mirror shot reverse shot where we see everyone sitting out in the interrogation room so i think that uh unlike a cinematographer merely being in charge of just making sure that the, the shot is framed well and that the blocking's done and that the camera pans where it needs to do. This really drives the narrative forward and we, we know a lot about each character in the room, especially the three suspects, that we may, maybe wouldn't know if he didn't shoot it that way. So I think it's really incredible. Dante, you're a good bloke. You've got a sick name. That's Film School for FWITS this week. Well played, Dan. Good work. Uh, yeah, well played. It is. It, it's amazing. It's a beautifully shot film, an amazing looking film. So well done, Dante. Do something about your name and let Dan in the academy. Uh, okay, so now we're going to stay with Dan because it is Stan Bush Kickass Credit Song. Dan, tell us a bit about your song tonight. I touched on this earlier, but I Kim Basinger. So she she's super hot in this film and. I just uh, did a little bit of uh, mental calculation. So in 97, she was substantially older than the three of us and yet still the uh, the, the sex symbol there. So I, I, I don't know. like it. And I look at her in 8 Mile, obviously um, a, a much heavier situation, but also she's Eminem's mum in that, and you're thinking, yeah, it's a pretty good sort. But it just occurred to me that perhaps – our ages, like everyone stays on screen, and and it's a it's a they're captured in time at that particular moment. But we've actually uh, we we've gone on to go beyond Kim Basinger's age, and so she's not quite the cougar these days as uh, a, a a bit of a younger toddy. But there's always been a mate of ours that has had a penchant for the older woman. So I, I this is really an homage to Kim Basinger, an homage to Craig Plimmer and an homage to the Beach Club. So the, the song is called Kim Basinger of the Beach Club, and it goes a little like this. She's the hooker with a heart of gold. She caught the eye of our own rusty crow. Looks just like Veronica Lynn, but from the booners. A mature seductress paid for nooners. She's just like that cougar <laughs> our mate Plims used to see. Down the beachy seeking fur burgers with cheese. A gorgeous sort of lady. What's not to love? Wait a sec. In the film, she's younger than us. 
shit. Sorry, I've got to scroll up. <laughs> Sorry, I balls up with my mouse. It's running a bunchy. Kim Basinger! I was younger than we are now. Kim Basinger! To her, we're the silver foxes. Wow. Kim Basinger! Eminem school friend towed her up. Kim Basinger! Married the hot Baldwin, not Billy the Cunt. Kim the Basinger! Academy. The camera loves you and the Academy did too. Kim Basinger! Fuck the Academy and Clyde the app delegate anew. <laughs> Kim Basinger, Kim Basinger, ah, of the beachy. Did blims get fresh with you? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh dear, Daniel. Dear, dear uh, me. Uh, completely different melody than uh, what I concocted, but uh, I think I got the point across. Yeah, eventually, eventually, it <laughs> was like one of my ones. Went a little longer than the. Uh... Yeah. And the two oh. verses in a chorus, but it, no, it was just it was nice. just a long chorus. Yeah, it was the same two two lines he kept singing though, and having to go and rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. <laughs> well, that tune's going to be stuck in my head yeah, tonight. Kim Basinger. <laughs> uh. <laughs> okay, well done, Daniel. Uh, okay, star of the show, and you can't vote for Dan's kick-ass credit song. Uh, we'll go with you up on the land, Dan. Yeah, I've, I've mentioned him many times, James Elroy. It's, it's the source material for me. I think Hanson and Co. did a great job of adapting the screenplay, but you just can't go past the genius of James Elroy and how he's able to give us such a vivid reconstruction of the 1950s in the LA and think we just know everything about it. Uh, yeah, brilliant. Well played, Mr. Elroy. Well done. What about you, Gow? Yeah, look, I could totally agree with that, and that's that's a really good nod. I'm going to go with Rusty. I think he was awesome in this movie. I think he brings some real power to this role. It was right right when he was hitting his straps. So, yeah, I'll go with him just to be different. Yep. Okay. I'm going the whole fucking thing, the mm. whole movie. I'm giving the whole movie the star of the show. I think this is a masterpiece of a film. I think it is essentially flawless from the script to the direction to the photography to the actors, even the bit parts, even Simon Baker Denny, who he gave no nothing to. He's amazing in the two scenes he's in. I think that it's just it's an it's a masterpiece. I love it. So the whole thing, amazing. Star of the show to the whole movie. Uh, okay, there we go. Sort of just created a new segment there. Uh, okay, so if you like this, what else are you going to like? Now, Gow, you can't say the sixth sense. The sixth sense is very much like this, though. It is when, a when you think about it, he's a little. What do you got? Oh, look. I don't know. Coming up with a couple of these, I came up with The Untouchables. Now, it's a cop thriller. It's similar. It's a period piece. It's probably not as – the storyline is not as, I it's guess, on sophisticated my list. It's on this. my list. Yeah. Yeah. As, as uh, you know, sophisticated the right word, but, you know, it's probably not as intricate and as involved as this. Yeah. So, and this, you know, this has got the twists and turns when you haven't seen it before that, you, you know, you've got to figure out. But, uh, yeah, look, that's my that's my quick one. I thought Serpico might be something like that as well. Yep. Another cop movie, but yet again, it's not. It's more based on one person in that movie as opposed to the yep. the trio that we have here. Yep. Okay, Dan, what about you? Yeah, I, I went for something completely different. So I think this is uh, the the way that they've been able to depict LA, and this is incredible. And it, it looks very much like a a very well realized version of 1950s. But I think if you want to look at LA in another light, you go and check out Colors, Colors. Callers, callers, callers. I am a nightmare walking. Talking, just a talking. King of your jungle, something, something, something. Yeah, yeah. Callers, <laughs> Dennis Hopper, 
uh, film from 1988 starring Sean Penn and Robert Duvall. Just an incredible look at a couple of cops in what LA became essentially some 30, 40 years later. So I think it's a, it's a really good contrast to this film and uh, and picks up with, uh, with what the LA cops have to deal with some 30, 40 years later. Yeah, excellent. Good choice. You're thinking of the field. You're thinking of colours, then it makes me think of falling down. Yeah. Ah, very similar to Michael Douglas. Yeah. Okay, I've got one. Uh, it's a little. It's a little bit left field. Sorry, just, Zodiac. Just, sorry. Before you go on, did Michael Douglas say he got throat cancer from cunning lingers? Uh, he didn't. I don't think. But the the papilloma virus make the cancer is is contracted through cunnilingus yes can be hpv yeah. hpv yeah he loves it <laughs> <laughs> loves it <laughs> dan's in for dancing when dan goes he's going to throw he's going for throat cancer <laughs> <laughs> oh sorry as you as you were i don't know oh, okay. look my choice for if you like this i've gone with zodiac David Venture's crime noir movie set, you know, back in the, I think it's in the 60s, The Zodiac Killer, um, starring Jake Gyllenhaal, Robert Downey Jr., uh, The Hulk, whatever his name is. It's got Mark those, Ruffalo. Mark Ruffalo. It's got those uh, three protagonists again. It's a similar thing where they're trying to solve the mystery. Really good movie, really dark, uh, a real good thriller, pretty scary. But really worth a watch. Fincher at his best. Like it could be, it's up there with Fincher's best movie, Zodiac. It's great. They give that a crack. We're going to move into the Rank Bank. This was an interesting one. I found it a bit difficult to find some ratings to give it, but I've got four. So I've got, uh, and two of them are the same person. So I've got uh, Stomachs of the Week. Which is Simon Baker Denny? Where he goes, stomach of the week, because he's had an interesting last supper. Because he's had Frankfurts, oh, yeah. Frankfurters, which oh. reminded me of you, Gow. Oh, you know, yeah. Frankfurters, French fries, uh, whiskey, and semen. Um, I've got Victory Motel beatdowns. That would curdle. <laughs> you think so? Uh, and I've also got Hollywood homicides. Hollywood homicides. What about chair pisses? Chair pisses. Yeah, that's not bad. Dan, anything? Anything to add to it? No. Um, yeah, Hollywood homicides. There definitely is a poor choice of uh, words in 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 2023 from old. Definitely, Dudley. but it's in the so, movie. It's in the yeah, movie. Yeah, definitely part of the movie. Uh, no, I'm 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 happy with either of those. I can't remember what they all were now. Chair pisses. We're going with chair okay. pisses. All right. So, how many chair pisses, gal, are you giving LA Confidential? Well, this was a great rewatch. Really, really enjoyed it. Fantastic movie. Look, you you hit it on the head. Fantastic cast, fantastic screenplay, fantastic writer, the whole thing. I'm going four and a half chair wow. pieces. Okay. Very good. Very good. What about you, Dan, up there on the land? How many chair pieces are you giving? It's LA another five. Two fives in a row for me. Five, 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 five. This is a perfect movie. Well, it's your third five, Morgs. You've been in a. Yeah, it's he's been, been in a, a, yeah. on fire lately. He, it's his third five in five weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. I can't disagree with Dan. This is a five movie for me. This is my second five. I, I lie. This is my third five. 
it is the perfect film. I love it. It never gets old on me. It's just amazing. A, a true masterpiece. And that's going to see, I'm tipping, that's going to show. That's going to make some difference. Okay, let's have a look at this. Coming in at 4.83 chair pisses, it's above Lethal Weapon at 4.67, 80 flowing mullets, and above Raiders of Lost Ark with the same, and above Warrior. So this is our new number one movie. Standout. LA Confidential. Standout. So it has taken out our our log jam at the top, our three at the top that were the log jam. So, wow, that's uh, that's big. Pretty incredible. The, uh, the top movie we've done so far. And we've done some really good movies. So, and we've got some really good movies coming up. So it'll be interesting to see how long it stays there for. It's going to take a pretty good movie to knock that one off, I think, though. 4.83, that's almost perfection. That's as close as I think I'm ever going to get. All right, look, another great episode of Born to Watch, LA Confidential. If you have not seen it, you must. I know that a lot of people last week, we got some feedback about Warrior that they hadn't seen Warrior and they're looking for it to watch now. So it's the same as LA Confidential. If you have not seen it, trust us. They are two movies you have to see. Trust the watchers. Great movies. Trust the team here. We don't we don't do you wrong. Get yourself it's on it's on Netflix, I think, LA Confidential. You can definitely watch it on Netflix and just get into it. One hundred percent. At four point eight three, it's almost the perfect film. Next week, we've got a special one. See Academy Awards next week. So we're gonna do a film that got pretty heavily shafted in the Academy Awards. Now, Dan, do you remember what movie we're doing? I do. I do. It's uh, Take it away. I think it's another five. Five out of five for me. I oh, know we haven't done the <laughs> podcast yet. So. <laughs> no, we're going we're gonna to be doing Goodfellas, which, uh, yeah, look, what a film. Uh, overs and Unders is going to be off the charts. It's going to be a demo five, I reckon. It's going to be huge. <laughs> so uh, 60. 60, yeah. So Goodfellas, what a flick. If you haven't seen that, give yourself two fucking uppercuts. Go and watch it before next week. And, yeah, can't wait to get into it. Yeah. Gal, what do you think about Goodfellas? Can't wait to do that one. Yeah. I've watched Goodfellas a lot of times. Yeah. And yeah. talk about some quotables. There's plenty in this movie. Just Joe Pesci. Yes. Like, every time yeah. he opens his mouth. Yep. Yeah. Yep. No. Oh, look, Goodfellas is going to be amazing next week. So get your research in, boys and girls, and get your feedback on the Watchers Unite Facebook page, the group there we've got going. Just put it up. So put some photos up there when you're watching the movies. And uh, make some suggestions for other ones that we can cover. We'd love to hear from you all. Thank you so much for your support so far. And we will see you next week for Goodfellas. Bye for now. See you, everybody. Fuck the Academy and Clyde the Yeep Delegate anew. Got it. <laughs> Take seven. Thank you for listening to this episode of Born to Watch. To join us on our journey into some of our favorite movies of all time, you can find us on all good podcast networks. Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you like what you hear, give us a five-star review and share with your friends. 